going on, everyone, and welcome back to the 90 and 60 Plus podcast. My name is Christian, and we're still doing the summer series where we interview special guests, and some special guest guys are current or former players, some work within sports, or excuse me, within media within the sports. But today, guys, we have a former teammate from our one of our previous special guests, Alec Rodriguez. Uh, shout out, Alec. We have a very special guest with us here today. Um, again, a former teammate from Alec at the MSU Denver men's soccer team, a man who was born in Colorado, Grew up in Oregon and actually graduated high school in Washington. So, yeah, a pretty diverse man. He's played in England as well, and he's going to be playing for Pacific University of Oregon come next season. We have with us today a good friend of mine. We have with us Evan Blyer. Evan, thank you so much for being with us here today, man. How you doing? Absolutely, Christian. Thank you for that amazing intro. It's uh, great to be here. But you basically uh, said it all about me. You know, I've kind of lived all over the place within you know my uh my life so far and yeah it's been a really good soccer experience and so yeah i'm definitely looking forward to today's chat for sure all right so we said it all man that's it thank you for tuning in guys catch us next week no i'm just playing <laughs> yep we're done yep thanks for that take uh, care <laughs> uh evan yeah so good to be with you man and uh yeah like i mentioned you know you're alex former teammate we met each other at msu denver had a couple classes together so yeah really excited to connect with you once again man and just kind of catch up talk about the beautiful sport and life in general so yeah more than happy to have you here with us today so evan why don't you just kick the pot off with telling us a little bit about yourself you know where you currently play and where you're from and even though i answered most of those questions already you know give us a little inside scoop of who you are yeah absolutely so i think i'll start with uh what you didn't say what what i'm doing right now so currently it's summer for me for you as well i'm about to enter my junior year of college and i'm uh like you said i'm transferring to pacific university oregon from metro state uh denver which is where you are at and yeah it's just really uh, an exciting time for me to kind of reinvent myself as a player and kind of make a new first impression, you know? So I'm, I'm it's definitely nerve wracking, but also exciting at the same time. But, but yeah, right now I'm playing for a summer league team here in the Seattle area, playing games and, and stuff like that. But, um, but yeah, you know, I'm, uh, I'm originally from Colorado, uh, but I, uh, I moved when I was like five, so I don't really remember much when I lived in Colorado. So I really consider my hometown to be Bend, Oregon, uh, Central Oregon. I lived there for 10 years. And then, yeah, and then I uh, went to high school here in the Seattle area. And then, yeah, and then I went to Metro State for two years, and now I'm back home. I'm going to Oregon next fall. So that's kind of a little glimpse of my career thus far. So, yeah. Yeah, for those of you who don't know, Evan's been playing soccer, it seems like, nonstop because, you know, obviously he played uh, this time last season with the MSU Denver men's soccer team. He played the entire season. And then after that, you know, you transferred over to England and were playing there while studying and going to school. And then now you're playing summer, and then you're getting ready to start up preseason again for, for Oregon, man. Wow, there's no there's just no rest for you, huh? That is a very good point. I actually didn't think about that because you're 100% right. Like, up until this past year, right, like from – yeah, basically a year from the fall to now, I've been playing nonstop when, like, as a college soccer player, like, it is never like that. It's usually, like, you have your season, right, in the fall for a couple months, and then you do, like, you do very little until the spring when you play a couple more games and then you, you know, have the preseason. So it's honestly been really nice to be able to play pretty much year-round, right? Because um, since I went to England and played over there, I was able to play a ton of games and train when – in the States, in the college soccer program, you're not doing much of that time of year. So, yeah, that was definitely 
a good experience just to play a ton when I wouldn't have otherwise, you know? So, yeah. Yeah, man, no rest for the weary. And I got to say, bro, that's going to be a huge advantage for you coming in, coming into the upcoming season. You know, you're obviously going to be fine-tuned and up to speed with everyone, you know, compared to everyone else that's probably just coming in from a long summer break and they need to get back into the rhythm of things. So, no, that's good. It's great. You know, just, you know, don't don't overwork yourself there, man. <laughs> you don't want to be like Pedro yeah, no, I... debut season from Barcelona. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, I, uh, I hope so, that all this uh, playing will, you know, make me a better player and put me in a better position. But I honestly think it will. I honestly think it will. You know, if you put in the hours, then I think you'll you'll reap the benefits. So, yeah. yeah exactly. All right, Evan, so let's take it back a little bit, man. Uh, obviously, you know where you're currently playing and where you played in the past, but let's take it back to your first core memory and where you kind of first started growing that connection with the sport. Yeah, first core memory of the sport. Honestly, it's when I think of core memory with the sport, it's not, it's actually not a great memory, ironically. The fact that I've stuck with it and, you know, soccer is my passion. But the core memory for me was when I was in Oregon. So I was probably, this is when I was playing for uh, Oregon Rush. This is probably when I was like, I don't know, six or seven, that age, right? Because apparently I started playing when I was three. You know, not that I remember that, right? But apparently that's when I started playing, right? But, yeah, I remember um, we, were, we were, like, warming up, right? You know, I was seven years old. You know, you're just kicking the ball around. You know, I see the big goal. Everybody wants to shoot on it, right? You got, like, 20 kids shooting the ball, right? And so I thought, oh, it would be a wise idea to hop in goal, you know, play goalie. You know, that would be fun. And, yeah, I remember <laughs> this one kid just hit an absolute rifle into the goal, and I don't know if my hands didn't work or my hand-eye coordination was still terrible at that age, but that ball hit me right in the teeth, and it chipped my tooth, <laughs> which I had to get filled in to this day. Like, the filling is still there. So that's, like, the core memory of the sport. But honestly, like, I think it's a core memory because it's, like, that sucked, but my love for the sport was bigger than my tooth. You know what I'm saying? It's like, oh, well. Yeah. But then, but then it's also when I decided, you know, maybe I won't play goalie. Maybe that won't be my position, so that doesn't happen to me. So, but like, yeah, I mean, just like talking about growing up with soccer in general. Like, I have a dad who's, you know, he uh, does the radio. He does he works for the media for the Portland Timbers. Um, he's got an A license as a coach. Like he, he loves the sport and is and he works in the sport like all the time. So it was always kind of destined for me to you know, for him to pass on the love of soccer to me. So that's really like all I've ever known really is just soccer, just, you know, probably from him. But that was probably like the first core memory that I remember when it, you know, was really involving soccer. It was just me getting injured, but you know, right. <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> No, that's awesome. Yeah, you mentioned your dad there, uh, Keith Blyer, a fantastic person, you know, someone that I've had the honor of meeting. And yeah, like you mentioned, he does the radio play-by-play commentary for the Portland Timbers, which is super cool. He's also a former Division One player at the, you know, collegiate level, which is also really awesome. And you kind of mentioned it there, but he really paved the way for you to not only play in the sport, but enjoy it. Um, so do you credit a lot of that to him? And do you think it would have been any different if your dad had never been the person that he was in his previous life? Yes. The short answer is yes, absolutely. Um, obviously, I think I – honestly, in my mind, I think I would have found the sport. But who knows, man? Who knows? Like, you know, I I maybe maybe never even got into the sport if it wasn't for him. And I'm just thankful that he chose the right sport, you know, because right. <laughs> it is the global sport. It is the best sport in the world. No hand, like no question, like hands down, best best sport in the world, you know, global sport. So honestly, like it's it's definitely – 
something I consider greatly that he helped pave the way for me, just the fact that I was surrounded by it at such a young age. And I, you know, I built that love for the game so early on. And yeah, just his love for the sport really helped me create my love for the sport, which, you know, drives me to be the best player I can be today, you know, uh, 20 years later. So, yeah. Awesome, man. Awesome story there. So, yeah, you kind of grew up with that connection all your whole life. Um, so talk us a little bit about, you know, growing up and playing throughout the youth ranks. Were there any club teams ever involved in that, you know, kind of prior to, I would say, high school soccer when it gets, you know, a little bit more serious? Were there any ever any clubs or anything involved in that? Yeah, so, uh, you know, if you go back all the way to the very beginning, you know, you start with, you know, the beehive soccer, if you're familiar with the term, or, you know, you just throw the kids on the field and they run around and have fun for an hour and they move on. So that was probably my... Uh, Colorado rush days were, you know, just, uh, you know, learning how to walk and, you know, kick the ball around and stuff like that. And then, and then I moved to, um, central Oregon and I played for the Oregon rush where I chipped my tooth. Right. Right. Going back to that. Uh, and then, uh, and then that, uh, club merged with another club in the area, Ben's United. And I made uh, Ben FC Timbers, which I played for, for like basically probably like seven, eight years, maybe six, seven years, um, for the majority of the time I live in Oregon, I, I played for that club. And while I was there, you know, I, that's what, I, that's when I think I really started improving as a player. Like I'm, uh, I'm actually looking at my most improved award at Ben Nessie Timbers for 2014 in my room. So like, I think that was probably the time in my life where I was really getting, you know, efficient and good at the sport. And I was improving a lot. Um, so so yeah, I uh, played there for about six, seven years. Was on the A team, and you know, growing up in Central Oregon, you know, kind of out in the middle of nowhere, and a lot of our away games were all the way in the Portland area, which is like a three-hour drive away. So I remember like we would have to, you know, stay in hotels, you know, every other weekend, right? And you know, that was obviously fun, but also grueling as a player. And so you know, I really had to think like, do I love this sport? And for me, it's never been a question. But um, luckily, I was lucky enough that when I was living in Oregon, I played for the um, the Oregon uh, State Pool. Uh, ODP is what it's called, the Olympic Development Program. But basically, it's a, a state pool of the best players for your age in the state of Oregon. So um, luckily, I was able to play for that in my 7th and 8th grade. So, God, the years, I don't know, like 2015, 16, something like that, 14, 15, is when I was playing for that. And then, yeah, and then shortly after that, then I moved to Washington and then obviously got into high school ball and club up up here, which is where I am now currently. So, yeah. No, that's awesome, man. So now, yeah, uh, various different clubs and obviously various long tenures in those clubs. So now kind of growing or progressing to that, we get into high school. Um, so and I think this is where the age where a lot of kids or players, excuse me, really start to find who they are as not only a player, but as a person, you know, their conscience is very well developed at this point. They have a general idea of who they want to be in the future, what they want to do as a career and so on. So kind of walk us through that process and tell us how was the high school experience for you any different to anything you've done in the previous years? Yeah, I'm actually really like glad that you brought up this point about you know kids start taking it serious in high school or the other side where it's not so serious. Like I think high school soccer is the time where you're thinking about your future, right? Where am I going to college? What am I doing with my life, right? Stuff like that. And so um, I, was, uh, I was informed. I did some data and did some research where um, I think like, like if you're a, a high school soccer player, Christian, like I think literally like 5% – 
of high school soccer players go on to play um, in the NCAA. Oh, wow. 5%. So I want to bring up the point where it's like high school is when you really consider, do I actually want to have a career in soccer? Do I want to take it serious enough at the college level? Or, do, you know, most people don't. Most people say, I'll end with high school. I'll go to college, just be a student and stuff like that. So, yeah, I definitely think high school was the part of your time where you're thinking, like, how far do I want to take this soccer thing, right? And um, for me and, you know, I think four others at, at my high school, uh, we all went to go play college, so in my graduating class. So, like, you know, me and a couple of the guys on my team, it's like it was never a question where it's like, yeah, we definitely want to play in college. We want to take this as, as far as we can. And so that's never been a question for me. But, yeah, I, uh, I would say high school soccer definitely made me realize that, like, now I'm preparing to play at a level that most people don't get to as a player. And so I'm like, you know, I feel that sense of responsibility to uh, keep going, you know, because I've surpassed so many other players that have quit. You know, I think it's, you know, the 5% is because the other 95% are, you know, bad soccer players. Like, that's not why they don't do it. It's because various reasons they don't want to, you know, commit. A lot of the big thing I heard is commitment. They don't like the commitment that being a college soccer player takes. They're just like, I just, I don't like the commitment. So, like, honestly, that's probably a big deterring factor is the commitment. So I think, you know, high school really helped me realize, like, people who play beyond that are really serious about the sport. And so I think that's the environment you want to be in if you're serious about the sport as well. Yeah, not just the development as a person in general or a human being in general, but also as a player as well. I think it's very crucial in those high school years because I think you're more well-tuned as to what position and playing style you prefer. So is that kind of where you kind of discovered where you your preferred playing style and preferred position? And if so, you know, you want to walk us through that? Yeah, that's actually a really good point because, you know, I've obviously I have a preferred playing style. Uh, for me, I love a uh, 4-3-3 with uh, the two holding mids, the center attacking mid, and then the three forwards. That's my definitely my preferred position just because it's uh, possession-based, possession-oriented, where you can, you know, pass the ball around and kind of play through the lines and get past opponents that way. So I definitely learned in high school, like, that was my favorite formation. Just, you know, from a tactical side, from a playing side, from a coaching side, all that. I was like, that's, that's my formation. Um, but as for, like, playing position, like... I'm pretty versatile. That's what coaches have told me is I'm very versatile. Like I've played all over the place. Like um, I think, for example, like if we think about high school, the first play I played for up in the Seattle area, I was playing, uh, I think I was playing like, you know, like attacking mid. I was playing attacking mid. And then, <laughs> and then for my next club, I uh, played left back, right? So then, you know, I went to my next club called East Side. Yeah, and I literally switched positions. So, like, you know, my first two years in Seattle were with Issaquah Gunners, and I was, like, mostly an attacking mid. And then I switched to East Side, which is another club in the Seattle area, and I started playing left back. And then, um, off, like, and then like you know, obviously I, I was one of the COVID victims when it comes to, you know, college soccer in that sense where, like, yeah, I did, I, my season kind of got canceled my junior year, and then senior year was severely uh, diminished. So the kind of the rough year or half year of varsity's high school soccer I had, you know, I was playing left back. And so, and then club, I was playing attacking men as well. So it's like, I've played, you know, in the middle, I've played left back. And then obviously, as you know, you know, when I went to Metro state, I was playing outside midfield, you know, I was playing winger. 
you know, my, my two years there. So, you know, I've kind of played all over the place, but, you know, I think maybe that's just because I'm a versatile player. I understand the game, you know, how being, being a coach's son definitely helps for you mm-hmm. understand the game just from being around it so much and from stuff that he's coached me stuff that my dad has said. So, you know, so yeah, I would say that was definitely the experience for me. Yeah, definitely versatile there, like you mentioned, man. Um, but uh, of all the positions you played, is there ever a preferred one that you always, you know, even if it's just like random pickup soccer at a park where you just walk by and people are like, hey, come on, let's make a team. Where are you saying, okay, I want to play here? Yeah, I mean, I feel like so many players agree with the statement I'm about to say, but I don't think you beat the 10. I don't think you beat the center attacking mid because I think for me, I love playmaking. I love, like, you know, penetrating passes, playing through the lines, creating scoring chances for my teammates. Like, you know, I was always the player that celebrated assists more than the goals I've scored. You know, like, I loved assisting my teammates and helping them score. So I'd say the 10 is definitely my preferred position. But, you know, you also know that the 10 is a very competitive position because that's the position everybody wants to play, right? Mm -hmm. And so I would say my secondary position would definitely be out wide. Like, you know, either as the 11 or the 7 in a 4-3-3. So if I'm left-footed, so if I'm the 11, put crosses in the box. If I'm on the right-hand side, I cut in and shoot. So I'd say, like, you know, the 10 and, like, the wide forward should be my for positions. Because, you know, I've, like, basically, like, right now for my summer league team, I'm playing left-back, you know, which which I don't have a problem with, right? But you don't get – you don't really play make as much in the left-back position. It's more defending, put a simple pass, trying to play, you know – a line breaking pass every once in a while, right? It's right. more defensive first mindset, which has been fine because you know, as a as a as a um, defender, you're playing more minutes than the rest of the team. So like you know, I'm playing the full ninety at left back than I would be if I was in the ten or out wide. So yeah, like definitely my preferred position is the ten and up top. But you know, it doesn't take away anything that the defense does. You know, you don't, you. They, they win you games sometimes. So, you know, it's important to have good players on, you know, both sides of the ball, per se. So, yeah, yeah. And having that experience and playing pretty much all over the pitch is so helpful, especially in the number 10 role, because I'm sure you're well aware of this, you know, that a number 10 or center attacking midfield position, it used to be considered this like luxury position where it was often considered for, you know, quote unquote, lazy players or players that weren't the most athletic. But over the years, especially re- very, very recently, it's developed into almost the hardest working player on the field because, I mean, I don't, I don't think a, a modern 10 exists anymore where all they have to do is sit in front of the attackers and, you know, play those playmaking passes. Nowadays, it requires a lot more defensive mindset and obviously you playing left back and all over the pitch. I think that comes in handy a lot when you're playing in that in that tenor, or the, in that that tenor 10 role. So, yeah, that's got to be really exciting for you. And, I mean, I don't, I don't feel like I don't have to tell you any of this. You know, I'm sure you've known from your experience playing and just watching and growing the game. So, no, that definitely helps out in all aspects, you know, just being very versatile and playing all over the field. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd love to, like, add to what you said because like that's a very good point like you think the 10 is this luxury player best player on the field but i think from the positions i've played like when i play the 10 like you know it's not like i'm just waiting for the ball to be played for me like i am running a lot and i think you're right in the modern game the 10 is asked a lot of in the games like mm-hmm. you have to help back on defense right you have to get forward you know i think the 10 is a really hard work position if it's not a luxury position in today's game because it's saying you have to help us on defense but then when you're in the ball, you have to get four because you are, you know, what's going to help link the midfield to the forwards, right? So the 10 has to, you know, be able to help on both sides of the ball, right, in today's game. So I definitely agree with what you said on that. I mean, obviously, there's some exceptions to today's game when you get the luxury 10. 
But I think my experience is like, you know, exactly playing left back, playing defense, or even like uh, my time at Metro State, uh, where I was playing outside midfielder, and that was like the most running I've ever done in my entire life. Like, mm-hmm. the genuinely just doing doggies back and forth, right? And so I think that experience, like working so hard on, like, I think that experience at Metro State helped me realize, like, how fit I could be and how working I could be and how I could implement that into other positions in the game. Because, you know, the position that was requiring me at Metro State, I had to get back and help my outside back, right? And then I had to get forward and help uh, connect the forward to the midfield. And so it was definitely something that I took away from my experience. And, yeah, I definitely agree. It definitely helps you um, in other parts of the game. So, yeah, I just wanted to add that. And then, obviously, you know, you've played your entire life. You've grew up around the sport. And, you know, transitions a lot from, you know, just what you watch on TV into the field. But was there ever any, I guess, you know, we talked about preferred position and playing style. Did you ever get any of those influences from any players or current or favorite teams that you've had growing up? Or have you ever tried to replicate anyone's playing style? Yeah, that's actually a very good point. I mean, obviously, I'm going to go start off with, you know, the new Inter-Miami recruits. Lionel Messi, welcome to MLS. But I think that's just my undisputed goat um, in the game of soccer. Like I just, I love the way he played. I, you know, I, you know, I'm, I'm a, as you know, Christian, I'm a smaller guy. I'm a smaller player. So seeing the way that Messi, you know, just cuts through defenders like they're not even there, really inspired me as a player to, you know, see a player my size just be the best player on the field and just run past, you know men that are like like a foot taller than him you know it's like that was really inspiring for my younger self to see and just his technical ability and and vision and just it's just ridiculous so like number one inspiration in the game has got to be the GOAT Lionel Messi but uh, I'm also have a poster of uh uh Timbers number six holding center mid Diego Chara which I think is hated by most of the league for the fact that he is such a hard man and he gets yellow cards like nobody's business. He's going to pass Beckerman for most fouls in the league by any player. But I love the way Chara plays because he plays simple, he plays hard, and he plays defense. Mm-hmm. Like I just He does the dirty work. He does the work that no other player wants to do. And he is like by himself stopped attacks from the opposition just by doing recovery runs. So, you know, per se, like the way I want to play is like, I want to have like the creativity, technical ability that Messi has, but then also be the hard worker and kind of hard man that Diego Chara is. It's so, like those two players, you know, I, I love for two different reasons, right? Two vastly different reasons, but I love the way they play both. And but yeah, team, um, obviously, as you can tell, I'm a Timbers fan, but, you know, I think that I, uh, my favorite England team is uh, Arsenal. And so I think my playing style definitely that I prefer is based off of Arsenal's where they might play, you know, a three, five, two, it's slightly different uh, formation, but their attacks are possession oriented and, you know, patience based. And so that's definitely the way I want to play. And so, yeah, watching Arsenal, Growing up and being a supporter, I kind of saw the beautiful goals they would score through, you know, 20, 30 pass sequences, right? And Barcelona is another great example of this, right? Tiki Taka soccer. So I'd say like Arsenal, Barcelona, just the way they play, just pass oriented soccer, you know, pass the ball, share the ball, you know, type of mentality. And then Diego Chara and Messi playing like them, those would be my, my models of the game. 
No, those are great models to have, man. And there's so many points that you just mentioned there that I want to touch on. But I think I'll start with the overarching one and the biggest one, which is, you know, obviously Messi coming to enter Miami. And, you know, for your dad, for someone that works for the MLS, you know, what does that mean like for him? What does that mean to him and to the league? You know, such a monumental signing that is. And possibly, obviously, the Portland Timbers, they have a beautiful stadium up there in Oregon. Um, so it's honestly pretty much nailed on he's going to come there maybe not this upcoming season but if not the next and it's just going to be pretty it's just pretty locked in you know that he's going to play at that stadium specifically so what does that mean for you and your dad it's i mean it's not just me and my dad it's for the entire you know country that loves soccer like the like entire soccer loving american benefits from messi coming to to the u.s and playing like it's it's phenomenal for the league you know from a technical and from a powerhouse standpoint um, you know, we're known as the retirement league and that is very much the case right now. But, you know, like for example, Messi going to Miami, like he might bring, you know, he's already brought Busquets, right? Like he might bring Iniesta, he might bring, you know, all these other types of players that he's played with. He might bring to the league because of this superstar status that he has. And so it means everything. Like, as you probably know, like every Miami game is sold out. Because, you know, Messi is playing like, you know, their bottom of the Eastern Conference. You know, they need a player like him to change things for them. And I think that's exactly what he'll do. But just from, you know, for like my dad who works in the media and for me as a fan, it changes. It changes the total structure and total climate of the league where it's like, you know, you kind of had all these teams that, you know, with all the allocation money, you were kind of fair, right? You're like, you know, all the players, each team is a superstar. But now you got, you know, in my opinion, the greatest of all time on the LS team. You're just like, well, that changes things for the rest of the league. So I just think every American is going to benefit. Every soccer love American is going to benefit from this because they'll be able to see Messi play in person. And that's just, that's, you know, like we, in this era of soccer where, you know, you have the Cristiano Ronaldo's, you know, Messi's, Neymar's, like, there'll never be a generation like like this again. Mm-hmm. And so for, for a player like him to come to America and play and for, Americans to see that I think is phenomenal. So just like the whole league should be excited for that. Yeah, definitely. And then another point that you touched on in the previous topic, you know, you talked about your experience here at Metro State and how much you learned from that, especially from a physical standpoint. Uh, you want to just obviously went through your youth ranks, your high school career, and then obviously you went to MSU Denver right after high school. So kind of tell us about that transition and what your experience was like here at MSU. Yeah, no, it was a great experience. I mean, obviously, their transition from high school soccer to college soccer is a pretty big leap, but, you know, it's a it's a jump that you are told about and you're ready for. Um, but I think my experience at Metro State was honestly a really cool life experience, if nothing else. I mean, I definitely uh, learned a lot from the soccer side of things and had a great experience there, but, you know, I... Uh, was able to live in you know downtown Denver in my own apartment right for for two years while playing college soccer and going to school which was you know definitely a great experience that I am thankful to have and you know it was I definitely liked the responsibility that was given to me at you know once once you graduate high school and you're kind of on your own I, I liked that responsibility that you know I was now responsible more responsible than I've ever been in my life that I had to to take control of right and so i was definitely happy to make that jump to metro state and you know i definitely loved playing you know like the the college soccer game there's nothing like it you know you play so few and the games mean so much like there's nothing like it you know just the fact that 
you only are guaranteed like a finite amount of games per year. And so it's definitely like, it's very serious. It's a very serious atmosphere, but if you want to get to the next level, like that's definitely like a great experience for that, which is my aspiration. So, but yeah, I mean, just from the soccer and life standpoint, you know, I, it's a great location to play and a great environment as well. So, yeah. So tell us, Evan, this was your first time, I think it sounds like, you know, living on your own and being really on your own and responsible for yourself solely. So tell us, what was the mo- the biggest thing you learned about yourself? Maybe not necessarily as a soccer player, but just as a person in general, you know, making that transition from high school to college and then obviously moving, um, I was going to say, to a state that's unknown, but you were born here, so maybe you're a little bit familiar. I'm sure you visited, but yeah. Right. What, was, <laughs> what was that experience like for you, just being on your own for the first time? Yeah, I mean, I definitely learned and I kind of knew that, like, you know, I was kind of independent. I was kind of, you know, I could kind of tell that I was independent in high school. And so when I made the jump, you know, to college, like, I definitely realized that, like, you know, I was definitely independent minded and, you know, which, again, serves me well in that environment. But it definitely was like, yeah, like you were fine on your own and you're independent and you're able to take care of yourself. And, you know, you just you live and you learn because, you know, I didn't cook a meal my whole life up until college. So, you know, when I go from, you know, my mom's cooking uh, up here in Seattle and then, you know, going to, to Denver with, you know, groceries that, you know, I have to cook and make, like, you know, it's definitely a learning experience there, but you know, you, you get better the more you do it. And so, yeah, I just, I learned that like, you know, I, I can be in an environment like that. And I think part of it too, Christian is like, I feel like I was more prepared for that college experience being on my own than maybe others have because I've moved around a lot. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I was the new kid when I moved from middle school to Oregon to Washington. And so like, you know, when you go to that new environment where you don't know anybody after when I went to college, I was like, Hey, I've already done this once before, if not twice. So it's like, you know, I was used to that and I was ready for that jump and that experience. But yeah, I just, just, you know, when it comes to time management skills, you know, planning to cook. I mean, all that stuff you don't even think about when you're growing up. And so all of a sudden that comes very real when you go and move on your own. So, yeah. So two years, as you mentioned, you know, just grinding away, going to school, playing soccer, and then your time at MSU Denver has come to an end. Um, but you decided to make the jump from obviously living in the United States, going to college here in the States to continuing your education here in the states albeit online but actually moving and you know trying to progress your career overseas in england so tell us how did that opportunity come about and how was that experience like for you yeah so first of all you know how how the heck does someone you know from seattle end up in northern england right playing so you know i was up for the transfer portal at that point so at this point i've already decided i'm leaving metro state i'm going elsewhere and my original plan, Christian, was I remember I think I quit Metro State maybe like around, I think it was like Thanksgiving time or before that, I think. So, you know, I was, my plan was like, hey, like if I can transfer to a new school by the spring, right? So like, you know, by January, that was my plan. So I was like, you know, scrambling to, to find um, colleges and stuff to transfer to for the spring. And I remember I had, a couple offers at that point. I think I had three offers. And then um, I get a text from, you know, this international academy called Macclesfield up in uh, Preston, England. I was like, hmm, what is this about? So my dad and I, we hop on the Zoom call. We get talked by the recruiter, kind of, you know, showcases their program and stuff like that. And 
I have time to think about it. And then ultimately, that's what I decided to do because all the other options were committing to a school, NCAA. And so obviously, as I've talked about, in the offseason, in the uh, winter and springtime, you don't do much at the college level, at the college programs, as if you're a soccer player, you don't do much. So I thought, you know, why rush going to a new school? I'm not going to be able to do much versus if I go to England. It's totally separate from the NCAA. They have their own league. I can play a ton of games, get a ton of training in, and be more prepared for my next season. Um, but more importantly, it was just giving me time to decide, right? It said, hey – I won't just be sitting at home or I won't just be sitting, you know, in Denver without a team. I'll be playing a lot, but also buy me time to reach out to other schools and pick the ultimately best school for me to go to, which I'm confident I did with Pacific University, Oregon. So that's kind of what led me to go to England was like, it buys me time to transfer and I play a time when I wouldn't have otherwise. And so, I mean, yeah, so that's what that was. Experience was was great. Obviously, you know, living in another country, not a lot of people get to do that. So, you know, I don't take that for granted. And just being, you know, in the birthplace of football, soccer, right? Being in the global birthplace of soccer, you know, it's it's a huge culture over there, especially when you, you know, have the Premier League where, you know, tons of people around the world support those teams to be able to, you know, live in that, live in that country. Like, for example, like I went to an Arsenal and West Ham United game in England. Like, you know, that was, that was awesome. That was awesome. Yeah. You know, be able to go to that, go to that game live when you've grown up a fan your whole life. So just that experience being in that country and, you know, the, uh, the, the culture they have around football slash soccer is definitely unique. And so it was very cool to be in that climate and be environment and also playing at the same time. So it's, yeah, it was a, it was a very cool experience. Yeah. I have no regrets from that. Absolutely not. It was very, very fun. You know, I think I improved a lot as a player. So I think that really helped me, like you said, for the next season. So, yeah. Now, apart from all the soccer culture over in England, Evan, were there any other cultures that you really, you know, dived in and really used as a favorite pastime of yours? Just, I mean, I'm really curious because, you know, it's a really cool experience to live overseas, live in a different country for the first time. So what was that like just from a, outside the soccer perspective? You know, what was your favorite pastime? What would you do to... Uh, pass the time by when you had some free time what was that like yeah no that's that's a great question i mean i'd say like like what i think of right away is like the rugby culture as well i didn't touch on that but you know they also love rugby over there which obviously doesn't get as much as a as a rep because you know soccer is the birthplace and that's the global sport but you know they they love rugby and i remember like like the i also really liked going to to pubs in england you know, again, it's around soccer, but, you know, it's it's definitely a unique experience to walk into a pub and be able to, you know, watch all the games on the TVs live for the Prem. So that was something I really liked doing, um, putting myself in, you know, that environment, which in America we don't really have, right? We don't really have that, you know, pub on every corner, watch Premier League games all day type of type of experience and environment. So that's, that's definitely what I like doing and I just traveling as well. Yeah, I really wish we had that, you know, so that I'd like you, you bet I took advantage of that when I was there. And so, yeah, I did that quite a bit. And yeah, I traveled a lot, you know, kind of taking trains and London underground. And, you know, that was fun. So, yeah, I mean, really, like most of my time there was spent playing, playing soccer. But yeah, whenever I wasn't, I would try to, you know, get out, go to the pubs, kind of travel a little bit and see what uh, England had to offer. So, yeah. No, that's awesome, man. And then 
I got to ask, how did you, because obviously you were still going to school, albeit online at MSU Denver while you were over there. What was that like managing, you know, your school and work-life balance and soccer balance, albeit in a different time zone? Yeah, uh, not easy. Yeah, because literally as I was finishing that statement, when I said I was playing soccer, I was like, wait a second. I spent half of my time at least doing online school. So that's, that's like what my experience was, Christian. It was like, um, like genuinely like I would play soccer and then I would study. And, you know, that would kind of be a repeat. And so it was definitely difficult being, you know, what was it, seven hours ahead for, you know, when I was still a Metro State student up in England playing. Um, but I took all uh, asynchronous courses so that, you know, I could hop in and do it any time. But, yeah, online school is definitely a lot of work, definitely a lot more work than uh, in-person class because you don't have that, you know, that in-person connection environment. So you got to do all this extra reading and watching videos and stuff like that. So, yeah, def- I'm not going to lie to you and say that it was a piece of cake. It definitely wasn't. But, hey, man, I graduated. Uh, graduated. Psh, I guess, you know, I finished the semester mm-hmm. with all A's in nice. an online environment, which was I've never done before. So, you know, my hard work paid off, but it definitely was a lot of hard work. But it's um, it takes a lot of time management skills, you know, to be able to be disciplined enough where it's like, all right. I just got done with training, showered, whatever, and now I got to do this online school thing, right? Right. You know, it's it's it definitely takes a lot of time management to make the time to do that, especially when you're nowhere near where the actual education is happening. So, um, yeah, it definitely took a lot of discipline for sure. But, you know, I reaped the benefits, got straight A's, and so my hard work paid off. So hard work pays off, my friend. So there yeah. you go. Moral of the story. <laughs> no, that's yeah, great, man. for sure. Um, and I can't believe I didn't ask this question already, but obviously, you know, you're, you went to MSU Denver, you're going to transfer to Oregon. So what are you currently studying and is there any plans to change your current degree throughout all your college tenure? Oh yeah. Great question. Yeah. Uh, so I was a broadcast journalism major at Metro state, as you know, you know, so I remember helping you out with the Metro state sports events, stuff like that. So, and again, like you said, I had class with you, so as you know, I'm the same major as you, or was a broadcast journalism major, and I remember I declared a sport media minor shortly before I transferred, but now, when I'm transferring to Pacific, I am changing my major and minor, but it's not too different, so I'm going from a broadcast journalism major to a sports communication major, which is basically like broadcast journalism, but like sports-specific is what I would describe it as, where it's like... You're specifically talking about sport media, I would say, like sports communication. So that was, you know, a great fit just because I was able to major in something that was uh, sports specific. Mm-hmm. That's definitely the field I want to go into. So that, that's going to be my major. And my minor is going to be uh, sports leadership and management. And so that is more focused on like uh, the coaching side of things. Okay. So that's kind of about being, you know, a leader in sports, right? Being a coach, being a mentor and managing teams, stuff like that at the sport level, um, per se. So that's that's what I'm going from. I'm kind of going from kind of a broadcasting media-type focus to sports communication, which is still going to be my major 100%. But then now I'm also going to focus on the coaching side as well, which I'm really excited about because it's another passion of mine and a career that I want to delve into once my playing day is over. So, yeah, that's kind of a, a slight difference, but – I think it's the right fit and more accustomed to what I specifically want to do. Yeah, no, that's great. School. It's all in the same ballpark, if you ask me. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, honestly, like 
like for example, like you know, you talked about my dad played uh, D one college uh, soccer, and like you know, he was like a communications major, right? Like, and now he's doing the play by play for the Timbers, right? So it's like you know, it's not really the it's not really like your major; it's what you do with it, right? Right. But I mean, you know that we're we're taught that as you know journalism <laughs> students, where it's like you know, you gotta have all this portfolio resume put together so that you know you're able to basically showcase your talents to land jobs not that oh you're this major oh, okay not mm. how it works right we wish it was that simple that easy but yeah it ain't. so <laughs> all right so after your playing days are over evan um i know you previously expressed interest to in me about being a commentator and following in the footsteps of your dad as a career are those still the plans or have they since changed nope still the plan uh you know i i don't know if i ever explained this to you in person or not but like the reason i i chose broadcasting where it's like it would be awesome to watch a soccer game right and talk about it and get paid for it and that's my job that would be awesome right so that was always my mindset where it's like i literally watch it talk about it and i get paid and this is my career so it's definitely something i still want to do you know i would more than be i would be more than glad to take my dad's spot when he retires yep i'll take that timbers play by play thank you very much but who knows? We'll see what happens. Obviously, you know, as you know, as a journalism student in, in the career of journalism, you have to be flexible, right? You have to be very flexible and you have to kind of ramp your way up, you know? So you got to be flexible in this market, in this industry. So yeah, I definitely still want to be a broadcaster, but, um, you know, I know a little bit about other sports, but it would definitely want to be about soccer. I mean, that's what I'm most knowledgeable. That's my passion. So yeah, soccer broadcasting definitely still a big uh, career of mine that I want to pursue. Yeah, yeah, and that's obviously after your playing days are over. But you know, before you get to that point, you know, what's the direction that you want the sport to take you in the near future? I would say, you know, what are your ambitions for the upcoming season for your new school, and then beyond that, where do you want the sport to take you? Yeah, so if we just go to my new school, I mean, I I really want to play a lot. You know, I think that's that's the the reason why I transferred. You know, like. I loved Metro State, like I loved the school, loved my team and everything, but ultimately, you know, I want to play. You know, I love the sport and I want to play. And so I'm hoping that at my new school, Pacific, that I play a lot. And that would be a success in itself, right? As if I'm playing and having fun and getting a good college experience, right? That would just be, you know, that'd be perfect right there, right? But obviously, you want you want to be more ambitious than that. Like, I really want to take you know, kind of this program is kind of done below average, you know, kind of has struggled in the past few seasons as a young team that, you know, now the team's older, got a lot of transfers. I want to, I want to do something this season. You know, I want to at least make playoffs and maybe make a playoff run my, my senior year. Like I, I really want to not just play, but win games and, you know, try to take this team to highs that hasn't been before. And obviously, it's not just going to be me. You're not saying I'm going to make it happen. You know, Evan Blyer is coming to save the day. No, of course not. But I'm hoping with all the transfers and a new new freshman that we get, we're able to, you know, build a culture that, you know, will help us be successful um, next season and the next. Because I only have two years left, sadly. But, yeah, so when those two years are left, I'm hoping to take my career as far as it can possibly go. You know, I I love the sport. I love playing it. I don't think that'll ever change. So, you know, I really, the plan is to take it as far as I possibly can. You know, I definitely have aspirations to, to play professional. So if that's where I end up, awesome. If not, broadcasting is next. So that's kind of my, my career timeline, if you will. So, yeah. 
Now, I think with you specifically, because you have experience with playing here in the States and then obviously playing overseas, is there, you know, if you were to make it to that professional rank, is there a preference as to where you would want to play either, you know, at the prime of your career or at the very beginning? Because I'm sure in England, the pure, the football pyramid structure is a lot different over here than the U.S. You know, there's just so many tiers and rankings and divisions, and I'm sure you experience that living over there. So do you have a preference as to where you might want to start your career? Like, preference? Like, honestly, like, kind of the way I live my life, I don't really have a preference on where I'm playing. You know, I just love to play. So I don't really have a preference there, but I remember when I left um, England, the coaches were like, do you ever see yourself coming back? And I was like, hopefully one day. You know, I'd love to return and, you know, make my way through the football pyramid and play in England. I think that would be awesome. You know, you, you, you know, briefly, like, if you think about the U.S., there's, like, four professional divisions. You know, you got the MLS, USL Championship, USL League 1, USL League 2. And then after that, it gets to the semi-pro level. And, you know, that's you're not getting paid. That's all, you know, uh, voluntary, you know, trying to make yourself in, into the pyramid. Well, England, like, oh, my God, like, you know, you have, like, eight divisions of professional, and then you got the non-leagues, and, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot deeper, that football pyramid. So, um Honestly, I would I could see myself playing in both. I could see myself going back to England, you know, maybe starting, you know, um, getting a small club over there and kind of making my way up type of deal, or, you know, getting lucky and maybe playing on a semi-pro team here and kind of making my way up the ranks of the USL. So I could see both happening, and I would be grateful for either of those two things happening. So, yeah. So you mentioned that. Excuse me. Earlier, when you were living in England, you know that was part of you know living in Preston. I think it was the specific area. Yes. Obviously, they yep. have a team in the championship, the Preston North End. Um, did you ever go to any of their games or experience the championship? Because you know we mentioned the Premier League earlier, but I got to say, you know, the championship division in England is just as much viewed, just as much admired. So, what was that experience like, especially for you living in Preston? Yes, I'm so glad you brought that up because that was probably like one of my favorite parts. Uh, Preston was. Um, Preston North End with a championship team because, like, as an American, you, you don't get to watch championship games. They're not uh, broadcasted to to Americans. So it was really cool to be able to see the championship level games in England, you know, and honestly, that was really cool. Um, I even have a Preston North End jersey in my closet next to me. Like, you know, there's – I really liked that club. And, I, I yeah, I would say the best part of my Preston experience – would be when I got to see Preston North End versus Tottenham Hotspur in the FA Cup. That was pretty cool. You know, even as an Arsenal fan, you have to see, you know, the Ox, you have to see Tottenham play. Like, like hearing them say, like, when the Saints go marching in live, like, that was, that was pretty special. And, you know, it was a totally packed stadium, and it was, it was a cool experience seeing the FA Cup live. Absolutely. So, and then I think I also went to, like, two other, two or three other championship games while I was there. So, I definitely went to, a lot of games there because you know i was like we're not going to be able to do this again you know likely no so yeah i had to take advantage of that so that was definitely a very important and fun part of my experience there for sure all right I mean, that kind of brings up two questions i think one you might have answered but you know one what was your favorite experience over in england and then two what was one thing that you wish you would have had time or um yeah, I guess just time to cross off your bucket list while you're over there and maybe something you want to cross off when and if you go back. All right, number one, my favorite part. Obviously, playing was great. Training was great. But, you know, you do that anywhere, Christian. That's not what you're going to remember, you know, the fact that you were playing on England in England instead of America. For me, the best part 
was watching Arsenal play at West Ham United. That was awesome. Going from Northern England, taking the train down to London, you know, in the city of London, you know, experiencing that, and then getting to go to the stadium and, and watch Arsenal tie West Ham, and that was the beginning of the end for our, you know, championship hopes that season. But, you know, still had hope then. But that was definitely, like, the coolest part was seeing my team play in person and traveling down to London for that. And then what I wish I had time for, I really would have liked to have gone up to Scotland. That was kind of on my bucket list. I wanted to go to, like, Edinburgh or Glasgow. But, yeah, I just didn't have time when it came to, you know, all the soccer and all the online school I had to do as well. So, yeah, if I ever go back to England or the U.K., I would definitely like to hop up to Scotland and see what they have to offer up there. So, yeah. No, it's awesome, man. And I definitely hope you do get the chance to go back and experience that one day. Um, did you ever? Um, obviously, you mentioned Scotland. The first person I thought about was Ross Miller. So I'm sure that, you know, he's got some recommendations for you if you ever were to go back. <laughs> Yeah, seriously, yeah, no, it's exactly what came to mind as well, like, you know, as for us at Metro State, he is the face of Scotland, yeah. so, you know, <laughs> I hope to go to Scotland and see a bunch of Ross Millers walking around and be like, oh, okay, this is home, and this is where he's from, so yeah, he could definitely help me out with suggestions on what to do. Okay, so a couple more questions about England, Evan, because honestly, they're just, like, coming to my mind as soon as you start talking about these subjects, but as an American living in England, did you ever face any, you know, anti-American stigmas, or were you ever kind of looked down or frowned upon especially i think they you know look down and frown upon us as far as the soccer culture aspect because they're just much more advanced or they at least think they're much more advanced in that in that field so did you ever experience any anti-american stigma yes and i will tell you why so i didn't really touch on it but this international academy that i was playing for it was probably like majority american like i would say it was probably about maybe 75% American and then 25% were like, you know, uh, British. So, so like, for example, like when we were playing against, um, other, other teams in our league, they would hate us because we were American just because, you know, like, like you said, maybe it's the stigma where it's like, you know, you play soccer. It's not soccer. It's called football, which, you know, our coaches even said that it's like, don't call it soccer. It's football. And it's like, don't call us soccer balls, we call footballs. And, you know, they'd make fun of us, you know, for that from time to time. Just a little bit of banter, if you will. But, no, generally I think, like, when we were playing games, like, there's definitely an attitude of the team where it's like, oh, we can't let these Americans beat us. Like, we cannot let this happen. So they would do everything in their power to, you know, kind of put their put an extra tackle into us to let us know, like, you know, we're not letting you win against us on our turf type of deal. So, but... But yeah, I mean, besides from the playing aspect, you know, it wasn't anything where it's like, you know, you're an American, screw you type of deal. Like, you know, they were they were civil. You know, the experiences I have were very funny where it's like, you know, I'd be talking and I was like, that is not an English accent. You are not from here, are you? And it's like, yeah, yeah, I'm from the U.S. or whatever. And I, I remember one funny experience, like, you know, we're up in northern England, right? And I'm, I don't even know what's going on. I'm walking down the street, going somewhere, and... Obviously, there's this, there's this homeless woman who's, like, asking for change, right? And so me and the dude next to me say, like, sorry, I don't have anything. And he looks around and he's like, wait, are you American? I was like, yeah. So then, like, we talked for, like, you know, five minutes on our walk, the fact that you have two Americans living in northern England. So that was a fun experience when it's like, you know, you, you, you met a fellow American just because you both were saying no to the to the homeless woman who was asking for spare change. Um, so... 
So, yeah, I mean, from, you know, the stigma standpoint, nothing too serious but the fact that, you know, footballs are sport and they don't like that Americans call it soccer and they want to let them know that, hey, it's football and it's our sport and I'm not going to let you win. So, yeah. No, that's awesome, man. Uh, glad you didn't experience anything too negative over there. You know, I thought, you know, at worst, maybe it would have been called Ted Lasso or something like that. But no, that's awesome. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I don't think that happened. Maybe they thought that, but you know, it wasn't it wasn't made verbal to us. Or at least I didn't hear it. So yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. Well, um, that's awesome, man. And uh, I gotta say, I end every single podcast with this one question. Well, not every single podcast, just every single interview podcast that I'm doing this summer with, with this one question. You know, I want to ask everyone who they believe is the greatest player of all time, because as we know, it's a very highly contested debate between two specific specific players. And I was going to keep a tally, but I'm sure you answered that earlier. So I'm sure <laughs> we don't got to go over that again. But yeah, I'm sure in your books, Messi is the GOAT, right? Just double checking. Yes. I mean, I'm happy to talk about him and how good of a player he is. But I just think when you look at the technical aspect of the game, where it's like you're truly looking for the most technical, like the most talented player of all time, it's got to be him. Like, he can dribble the ball, he can pass the ball, you know, with more consistency and more creativity than any other player I've ever seen. And so, also, just how impactful he is in the game, too. Like, like we talked about this move to MLS, like how he changed the entire culture of soccer in the United States just from going to a club there. Like, not only from the soccer playing ability but also from just how impactful of a person a personality is in the game because of what he's done and so i think when you consider both of those things undisputed in my opinion but that's 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 how soccer goes it's disputed there's mm-hmm. opinions people have biases it's going to be disputed but for me undisputed goat got to be Lionel messi no agree definitely agree with you there man um but yeah that was all the questions and the rundowns that I had for you, is there anything that you wanted to talk a little bit more about in depth or anything you wanted to retouch or revisit? No, honestly, we covered a lot. We covered a lot in this past hour, so I've really had a good time, and I've really liked reminiscing almost, you know, on yeah. my sub-career up to this point. You know, it's definitely something I don't take for granted, so it's it's been very cool to kind of think back, right? Because a lot of times in life you're thinking about what's ahead, what's ahead, what's ahead, right? And so it's always nice to go back and think about, hey, I like I've come a long way. And so I think a lot of your guests probably think the same way that I do when you know you get to get interviewed and kind of asked about your soccer life and what it's come to up until this point. So yeah, it was. I think we covered a lot. So yeah, I think we good. All right. Yeah, and hopefully this is the first of many interviews for you and your long career, Evan. So yeah, definitely wish you the best of luck in the upcoming season and the rest of your studies and just life in general, man, because yeah, like we mentioned earlier, I'm definitely going to miss having you at MSU Denver and around, but yeah, man, I'm again, just super happy for you and your career choices and I wish you nothing but the best. Yes, thank you, Christian. You too, man. I'll miss you too. And maybe one day I'll be back in Denver. Who knows? Yeah, maybe one day our paths will align again, bro. But for now, man, again, just thank you so much for coming back on, or excuse me, for being a guest on the podcast. Really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, do you have any parting words for any listeners or anyone out there that you think might be listening? Yeah, just, you know, uh, soccer is life. Soccer is life. It's my life, and it's the global sport for a reason. And it not only is fun for players and coaches and fans, but I think it also brings the world together when other things can't do that. So, yeah. Yeah. 
Agreed. I think that's a great point and note to end this podcast on, Evan. So again, thank you. And for the listeners at home, make sure you guys like, subscribe, wherever you guys get your podcasts. We're on various different platforms. Review, rate it, like, all that good stuff. And Evan, once again, thank you so much. And for all the listeners at home, we'll see you next week. Hopefully we have some more special guests lined up soon, maybe some more of Evan's former teammates. And yeah, we'll just kind of go from there. So as always, guys, thank you. Adios. Thank you.